Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Look at the facts and don't try to go on passion about when you're looking at something to invest in. Because you may like something and it may not represent the facts when you read the financials or whatever. And it may not be a good picture, and some people see what they want to see. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal Best Ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our Best Ever partner, Secure Pay One, the Landlord Helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes the free service. Here comes the free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you've got 500 units or even a handful of units go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe that's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe they're going to give you a free 30 minute goal strategy session they'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free mylandlordhelper.com forward slash joe again if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. Mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Dr. D. Anthony Miles. How you doing, D? How you doing today? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit more about D. He is the CEO and founder at Miles Development Industries Corporation, which is a consulting practice and venture capital 
acquisition firm. He's the host and executive producer of Game On Business Talk radio show. He has a book called Risk Factors and Business Models, and he has over 20 years in the retail industry, banking and financial services. Based in San Antonio, Texas, with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. I'm an entrepreneur, award-winning professor, award-winning researcher, a statistician, legal expert witness, best-selling author. I'm a nationally known expert in my field of entrepreneurship and marketing. I've appeared in the national media. I've been interviewed in Forbes. I've been on CBS News. I've been on Fox News. I've been on other major news networks. And what I do is I share my experience with startups and marketing. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) So specifically, how do you make the most amount of your money? Most of my money comes from my consulting work. And I have a really interesting business. I deal with professional athletes and high net worth individuals and lottery winners. Those are the bulk of my clients. Okay. And what value do you provide to them? I work in a capacity with my clients. I'm a business advisor, and I have a unique practice. I prevent my clients from investing in business scams or businesses that I would not recommend they invest in because you hear the horror stories on the media about a guy investing in a business, and he did not know that they were losing money, and they were taking his money, and his return on investment is so bad, and a lot of these stories don't make it to the media. And I try to be a voice of reason. I try to protect my clients. Okay. So that's what I do. And I know you have experience in the real estate field because in another life, you used to be a loan officer and you used to do foreclosures. So knowing that your primary source of income is the consulting work and dealing with professional athletes and lottery winners on preventing them from losing money in bad investments... What are some investments that you personally have made or are currently making that are good? Oh, goodness, that are good. (laughs) When my venture capital side of my business, I try to look for businesses that are underworked, meaning they have potential to get more business outside of where they are. And a lot of times when I look at a business, I look and see if I can take them global. I look and see if I can exploit another market segment that they had not been exploiting. And I also try to stay away from businesses that are in a declining industry. Some of the successes that I've had have been small businesses that I try to take global, particularly some of the services industries. And sometimes I actually partner with other businesses. And if I have a partner, we take on a business, I may come in as the marketing expert. My partner may come in as an accounting or finance expert. And then we try to close all the gaps. We'll make the business unsuccessful. We look at certain things. So a lot of businesses that I deal with, I find them that they're underperforming and find out what's wrong and how to flip them around. I try to get the businesses under what the guy selling the business, the seller is trying to ask for. Mm -hmm. So that's primarily what I do. And I've had some hits and misses. One of the mistakes, it's probably more interesting to tell you some of the mistakes as, as opposed to successes. <laughs> One of the mistakes that I made, this is probably interesting to your listeners, is look at the facts and don't try to go on passion about when you're looking at something to invest in. Because you may like something and it may not represent the facts when you read the financials or whatever, and it may not be a good picture, and some people see what they want to see. I could tell you seven ways to Sunday why you shouldn't buy this business. And a guy is going to sit there and go, well, I still want to get it. And then he finds out he got a duck or a lemon. And that's usually happens. And I've made that mistake. Sometimes you got to look at the facts. You got to be Joe Friday. 
If they're not making money and they're in a declining market or the market shifted on them, why do you think you're going to try to make something out of nothing? So that's the mistake that I made in certain ventures. And I've lost money. And I think I've lost money in some of the ones that I've made mistakes at because I was passionate and I didn't read the fine facts and I didn't do my due diligence. Mm. So that's what I would say. You got to do your due diligence. If it doesn't reflect in the numbers, the profitability that you're looking for, you may not want to pursue this. I go by the mantra where Warren Buffett says, rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. Yep. I love his two rules as well. I love focusing on that. You mentioned some of your good investments. You basically, you need either to turn them around or to maximize the potential because they have some upside opportunity, which is the same exact thing that we do as real estate investors. Can you give us a specific example of a good investment where you did this just to add some color to the framework? This is probably endemic of all of the good investments that I made. That's probably a good example. This really wasn't a company. I looked at some stock and I try to buy stock in a company because I'm actually going to be an investor and I actually partner with another investor. And the success that I had with this was I had a team of people behind me. I had a CPA and I had an attorney check things out because obviously I'm not a CPA. And why this was successful was because they did the groundwork and they did their due diligence and that prevented me from making a bad business move. Sometimes in business, you're going to see some things that are apparent to you. Sometimes you're going to see things that are not apparent to you. Like case in point, another successful business we parted on acquisition was the owner was getting ready to get out of the business He was on the point of franchising a business, and he didn't know where he was going to go with it. And the guy just wanted to get out of the game. So we said, okay, how we can make this successful for both parties is why don't you tell us about your market? Tell us about where you're going with the business. Tell us about who's on your board of directors and those type of things. And found out he was a solid company. He had made profits every year. He had one down year over a 10-year period. And when we got into the business, we found out that his market segment was declining because sometimes when you have a guy working in a business, Joe, he doesn't look at outside of the business. He's just worried about what's going on in the business and he doesn't look at the potential. So we brought a fresh pair of eyes and we said, okay, we see an opportunity to pursue this for a foreign country that's next to Texas. You had never considered exploiting the Mexico market and you have a product that they need over there and you have probably one or two competitors. So you would be one of the three main competitors in that market. So what we did was we acquired the business, we bought them out and we went over there and not only did we penetrate the Mexico market, we almost dominated it within the first four years. And what's the moral to that story? Sometimes when opportunity speaks to you, you have to take advantage of it. And we were just lucky to come in at a time when a guy wanted to get out of the business and we totally reinvented the business and reinvigorated it. And we got into a new market and we almost doubled and quadrupled our profit margins. What was the business? It was a manufacturing supply company that manufactured goods for vegetables and assorted items to their product line. It was like a food company okay. that manufactured goods and those type of things. And how did he get in touch with you or you get in touch with him originally? When we got in touch with him, it was kind of like I work with a broker 
There are lots of businesses that are up, and my broker contacted me, and he also contacted a couple of the partners and asked us to take a look at it. And I believe the guy just wanted to get his money and get out of the game, and that's how we found out about the business. Your previous experience as a loan officer in doing foreclosures, what did you learn from that experience that you're applying now in your business as a venture capitalist buying businesses and then repositioning them and making money? I had trained in real estate in Baltimore, Maryland when I was with a company right out of college. And I spent about two or three years studying real estate. And some of the things I learned that I wasn't aware of is how grueling the foreclosure process is where you're trying to get out of a bad deal because there's a lot of federal and state regulations that you have to deal with. And what I learned was reading credit reports when you get a person, when you do a loan application for a mortgage or whatever, and people could lose their job, and that just really makes everything bad. And you never saw that coming. Like case in point, the state that I'm in, Texas, we have a lot of military bases here in San Antonio. And one of the military bases got bracked. So all of the loans that we had that we made, when I was part officer on them and some of them I wasn't, and a lot of the loans that were made to people, they lived in this particular area. And when they shut down a military base, a lot of those people lost their jobs. They had pretty good high salaries. We're talking 70 grand to 80 grand a year. And some of them refused to move because they transferred their jobs, I think, to Georgia. So what we had to do, lessons that I learned from that is sometimes you have to work with people where they are. Sometimes you're just going to have to eat a loss. Like a guy that was making 80 grand a year and he loses his job and he has to go get unemployment and that's only temporary. And then when you do get another job, they don't want to pay you what you're making. So your debt ratio is not in alignment to what you're making before. And we had to eat a lot of foreclosures. And what I learned from that is you have to really work with people. Then you also have to look at the bottom line and you can't, keep a guy in a house that he no longer can't afford, you just kind of delay in the pain mm-hmm. or the inevitable. So you want to try to be a human person. You don't want to try to just go, well, you can't make the pain. We're going to shut it down. There's alternative things they could do. And a lot of the guys that uh, were working at this particular installation was the only person in the house working. Their wives weren't working. So when they lost that income, they didn't have a two income home. It was a one income home. And how do you negotiate that with a guy who just lost his job and he can't make any money? He's not going to get close to that unless he relocates. And we used to always have a saying with this and what I learned from a guy that trained me in real estate and also lending. He said, if a guy doesn't pay for his house, he doesn't care about anything. If he lets his house go into foreclosure, he's not going to pay his credit cards. He's not going to pay his car payment because, you know, real estate is the most secure type of collateral and lending. And if a man doesn't care about his house, he doesn't care about anything. And we've run into people like that when I was training in the business. And you just try to make it as less painful as possible for you and also the other party. So what I learned from that is try to negotiate, try to find an optimal solution before it gets to the foreclosure. Because there is alternative things that people can do. And it's just a matter of what's the optimal situation for that particular person in that particular situation. One thing that works for one person doesn't work for another person. 
So that's what I learned from that. And I've seen people get their stuff put out when it was raining and cold and their kids and they're looking. I mean, it's really depressing when you actually deal with foreclosures. And it's a human element that you have to deal with because it's not about numbers and quads. It's also about these people are losing their homes and you have to have some type of empathy about it. You just can't be a guy going there and say, well, we're going to take the property, go send a sheriff over there to serve an eviction notice or a constable. You have to be a human being when you deal with a situation like that. And that shaped how I do business and my business. I always try to bring it back to let's be human about it. Let's negotiate. Let's try to prevent this before it gets to that point. Mm -hmm. Because you have to understand when a guy's losing his house and you have a foreclosure, he's not in his rational mind. And also the other part of it too is he doesn't feel like a man. And you don't make it any better by making him feel like he has no alternative and he has no options. There's always options when you do this, Joe, like you're in real estate. There's always options. And you got to work with people. And sometimes it's not about what's on the paper. It's about what you see, the person you see before you. How can you help this person? And as a critical component, how I get clients is like I try to protect my clients and I always take that approach. How can I optimize the best possible situation for this person. Yeah. One of my deep-seated beliefs is that there's a solution to any problem. Might not be the solution that everyone wants. Everyone might want that 25% of the actual solution. So no one's really happy with the solution, but I believe there's a solution to anything. And I love how you're focusing on the human element. Based on your experience as a business person and previous real estate professional, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Well, that's a good one. My best advice is when you look at a property, and I see a lot of similarities between venture capital when you buy a business and then when you buy property, yep. you always want to look at, okay, if I buy this property, what plan do I have for it? Can I make more money? Can I open up a new market? Case in point, you buy a property that's near university. And you can say, okay, these kids need a place to stay during the semester. What if you cut the rent $100 cheaper than the competitors in that area just to get them in there? And then obviously you're going to make your money back. Because remember, when you look at opportunities, especially in real estate, it's very similar to business when you're looking at a business. You always got to look at, if I buy this property, what plan do I have for it? Am I going to make money or am I just switching hands? Is there a market that I'm not considering when I'm buying a property? Can I get people in here that had no idea that the property was up? So that would be my advice. Yes. What plan do you have for the property? Yes, I love that. I can tell you that that is a question that I didn't ask myself after I bought my single family homes transitioning into multifamily because I just figured... I would do the same thing with single families as I did multifamily, and that is I buy it and I forget about it. I don't really have a business plan, but you can't do that with multifamily or if you have a fixer-upper, you certainly can't do that. If you have a turnkey property that you're buying and you're making a couple hundred bucks and you just hold on to it forever, then that's the plan. You just, as you said, you just switch hands. But if you want to make some real money and you're trying to turn it, then you need to have a business plan. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> let's, let's do it, D. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day -day tasks? 
Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show all right d what's the best ever book you've read the best book i read and your audience is going to really love this it's a book called the cash flow quadrant by robert kiyosaki the author rich dad poor dad that book changed my life yep love it get out of the employee quadrant and get into the business owner quadrant everybody should have that book that goes to business school because i used to teach that in my entrepreneurship mba classes i actually made my students buy that book Excellent book. Best ever deal you've done? Best deal that I've done, I saw a little business. Guy was trying to give me a price that I didn't like, and I actually got it for half the price that he was asking for from a competitor, and I closed on the business, and I didn't look back. <laughs> <laughs> What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? A mistake that I made on a transaction was I didn't pay attention to the previous five years why the company was in a dumper and I got greedy like everybody else does. I saw potential and I got greedy and I didn't look at why the sales were in a dumper the past five years. And there was a reason the sales were in a dumper the past five years because they had a product that was no longer needed in the marketplace. Mm. And they had a new uh, shift in technology and the product was uh, obsolete. That would be a problem. <laughs> uh, I think it. so. That's an eight-track situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the best ever way you like to give back? I like to go to schools, and I like to do workshops on basic business things. I, I work with some schools like universities and some high schools, and I have a workshop I do called Business Sense. We want to instill financial business principles with these kids coming out of school. It's not sexy anymore to have a $130,000 student loan. It's sexy to be able to pay off your bills and have a little business on the side and try to niche what you learn in school. You have to look at school as an apprenticeship. And we want to create entrepreneurs. We want to create millionaires. We don't want to create more employees. That's not the business. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Oh, easy. I'm on LinkedIn. And my company's website, mdicorpventures.com, and my email and my business cell is on there. I'm also, my book's on amazon.com, and I'm also on ResearchGate. I have some free materials and some workshops that I've done around the country. So if they want to download a copy, they're welcome to do that. That's pretty much it. I love how you've gone from the previously working in real estate and then applying those lessons learned to what you're doing now because it absolutely is an apples to apples comparison for what real estate investors do as we buy properties or really businesses if you think about it that way a single family house is a business as you buy a business you make sure that you have a business plan 
and that you're dealing with humans and just use a common sense approach along the way and comparing that to what you're doing, which is you're buying companies and you're looking at what the upside potential is and determining how can you optimize it, whether it is taking something global, doing a new market segment, having different partners in the business, staying away from declining or obsolete industries or products. So thanks for making that parallel or the connection on those different industries and the lessons that you've learned. Because for any best ever listeners who who have been in real estate, it's just not scratching their itch like they thought it would. Then perhaps you do something similar to what D is doing and you start looking at maybe businesses versus properties that you buy. And I know I said just a second ago that properties are basically businesses, but for this context, businesses versus properties. And maybe you do something like uh, the profit on CNBC, Marcus something or other does. So D, thank you for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, my friend. And we'll talk to you you soon. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. It went Uh, by like that. Yes, it did. (laughs) Talk to you later. Thanks. Take care. Have a good one. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.